And it's, and even in the conversations that we have, there's so many times that you're either chatting with a friend. I'm thinking like Brooklyn's coming to mind. It's always top of mind when we think sustainability. And everyone is always talking about what they're doing. It's kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this. Like, what are you doing for the environment? But no one's flexing on the bidet that they just purchased yesterday. I hope you enjoyed that quick preview of my fun conversation with Nikki. And just to give you some background on today's guest, Nikki Parlitzis is a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer who uses a highly individualized and holistic approach to nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle to help guide you toward your healthiest and most confident self. She practices integrative and functional nutrition at Michelle Shapiro Nutrition, which is a virtual practice that stands for the middle ground where you can pursue judgment-free weight loss and full body healing in a healthy, sustainable, and intuitive way. You can follow Nikki on her Instagram at nutrition.nikki, spelled N-I-C-K-I, for realistic recipes and fitness tips that actually fit into your busy lifestyle. Don't worry, I have it linked in the show notes. She's a proud elder emo and loves a spicy margarita, but promises not to be a basic bitch. I can assure you, Nikki is anything but basic, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast, Nikki Parlitzis. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Liz? I'm good, and I have, I don't know if I've ever been more excited for an episode. I don't know if I've ever been more honored to hear a phrase in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well... For those of you who haven't read the title, today, Nikki and I are talking about toilet paper, bidets, and Japanese toilets. And this was inspired by a recent South Park episode I watched on Japanese toilets. I don't know if any of you are viewers. I imagine some of you are. Did you watch, Nikki? I did. And what'd you think? I had never heard of a Japanese toilet. So this was my first introduction, which I'm sure that episode probably was for many. Yeah. It takes you on a wild ride, I have to say. I mean, you go through a period of feeling like you need to spend 10 grand on a toilet and then going through another period of, you know, what are we doing in America? Like, why do we get everything wrong? There's so much. There's just so much to unpack with that episode. Yeah. Um. I was cracking up the whole time and it inspired me after I did an Insta poll because I knew I wanted to do an episode on this, asking people if they've used a Japanese toilet or not. And 69% of people said yes, while 31% said no, they have not used Japanese toilet. I was surprised. I thought that was high. I was expecting it to be higher on the nose. I would think that those numbers would come from people who'd heard about it. I can't believe that like about two-thirds of people have used one before. No, me either. I have to say, I've seen them mostly in, like, fancier, higher-end hotels in Europe. Mm-hmm. And I've – I don't think I ever use – like, it comes with a control and there's all those buttons. To my knowledge, I don't think I ever actually used any of them. Like, because they had toilet paper there also because it's a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, but – I've definitely like peed in one and used the actual toilet, but I don't think I actually used it to its full functionality. Everyone who's used one says it's the greatest thing in the world. I mean, listen, it's, I don't, I never thought of going to the bathroom as work, right? Like it's, it's not something that feels like, oh, this is a big task I have to take on, but you know, it's a, the concept in sales, like you, you don't know what you're missing until something fixes it for you. The fact mm-hmm. that that thing will do all of the jobs for you, like, makes me realize, like, oh, my God. Now, after that episode, I go to the bathroom, and I'm like, this is a lot of freaking work. Like, I, I wanted to do it for me. You know what I mean? I'm cracking up. Yeah. Well, I mean, as Mr. Wonderful says on Shark Tank, I'm big into Shark Tank, he basically says, what problem are you solving? Right. And because on the one hand, you hear Japanese toilets, they're expensive. It comes with a remote control, you know, on South Park. They kind of, of course, as per usual, make fun of it with like the music and the lights and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, it actually does solve a lot of problems. I didn't even know I had. Mm -hmm. Like it really is all in one. It's eco-friendly, which we'll get into. We're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. There's a lot of other things we're doing wrong. 
Um, but this is a very, I feel like this is a very fixable topic that we, it's a very manageable, like, yes, we know we're doing it wrong. We know what we're doing wrong. And there's a very easy fix. Now we'll get into it a little bit, but we don't need to spend, you know, 10 K on a toilet. There's some other options that we can do now. Have I, have I purchased any of them? No. So, you know, maybe this will help me sort through our options and then afterward I can make a final decision. You know what I mean? Yes. I think by the end of this, you and I will share what we're going to commit to buying. Mm -hmm. I like Before we get into that, I want to give a brief background on bidets. So for those of you who don't know, bidet means small horse or pony because using a bidet is like straddling a pony. I thought that was really funny. Um, they originated in France in the 1700s. And this, this statistic I found really surprising. It's estimated that 80% of bathrooms in Europe, South America, the Middle East, and Asia have bidets. That seemed very high to me. What do you think? That's, we, are, we are the minority. And yes. if, there's, if 80% of people are doing something one way, it's very likely that there's a reason for it. Right. And we're and- you know, falling behind here. Not to mention, too, that a lot of these places I mentioned tend to be healthier mm-hmm. than Americans. Mm-hmm. It's just another thing they're doing, perhaps a healthier version. Which you would actually think when we, especially I know you talk a lot about gut health and digestion. You would think if we are struggling in the gut health department and people's bowel movements aren't full or clean or, you know, it's it's a little bit messier right? Mm -hmm. You would think that we'd be the first adopters of the bidet in that sense. Such a good point. So it really, it's a compounding effect is what it is. Yeah. And clearly like we're probably using more toilet paper than they would. Clearly they're not using toilet paper, but if they were using toilets like us, they'd probably be using less toilet paper. And meanwhile, we're the ones who are like, nope, we won't do it. We're just going to keep using all this toilet paper, having messy bowel movements. I mean, like it's, I want to laugh, but it's not funny. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so absurd that it, it, that's where the laughter comes from, you know? Yes. Yeah. We're allowed to laugh, but it's ridiculous. A few, I have a few more just background info from a 2021 source. Americans spend 40 to $70 a year on average for toilet paper and use approximately 34 million rolls of toilet paper per day. Bidet seats or attachments could actually help lower your spending on toilet paper by 75% or more. That makes sense because you don't need toilet paper or as much toilet paper when you're using a bidet. And this can also save, of course, a portion of the 384 trees that are cut down to make a single person's lifetime toilet paper supply. So long story short, each person on average kills around 384 trees in their lifetime based on the toilet paper they use alone. That, you know what I think? So, so being in New York, there's a huge push with everyone's composting. We're using eco-friendly, like no more plastic wear, no more plastic bags. We're making all of these initiatives, even legislation on plastic bags. Meanwhile, there's this whole other component that we're completely missing. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is the stigma. So, you know, someone can talk in Congress about a plastic bag with probably a little bit less pushback than chatting about, you know, their toilet paper and their bathroom situation. Yes. But what's crazy is all those other things like plastic bags, paper straws, plastic straws. I would say a lot of people use them, but not necessarily everyone. Everyone poops. Everyone's using a toilet. And I think the, so that's something that I think the South Park episode was brought up that was interesting was that, and this, I kind of relate it to, there's so many topics that this is the case for. So when it comes to recycling, when it comes to um, like plastic wear, when it comes to even the way we look at weight and fast food consumption, we always are blaming the consumer, right? We're always blaming the person for, buying plastic or not recycling or eating the fast food that's there. But we never, or we rarely focus on the the industries and the companies and the people that are actually making billions and billions of 
dollars worth of these products. And so it's the same thing with the toilet paper as well, which I thought it was a funny concept in the South Park episode, but kind of a little bit of truth behind it too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have an you have a lot of excellent points. I hate to say it, but like it's no reason the people profiting don't step in. Mm-hmm. Of course. Take initiative because what the fuck do they care? They're the ones making all the money off of it. Mm-hmm. But no, that was really funny when I don't remember. I honestly, I don't watch South Park weekly. Um, so I don't remember exactly which ones. It might have been Kyle and maybe someone else. I don't know. He was like walking outside to the woods and he's like, well, let me tell you. And he like goes through all these statistics and they're showing like logs and forests and getting into like, you know, all the trees that get killed and blah, blah, blah. And it was actually like, I'm sure those stats are real. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. And it's, and even in the conversations that we have, there's so many times that you're either chatting with a friend. I'm thinking like Brooklyn's coming to mind. It's always top of mind when we think sustainability. And everyone is always talking about what they're doing. It's kind of like, oh, I'm I'm doing this. Like, what are you doing yeah. for the environment? It's a flex. Exactly. It's a flex. But no one's flexing on the bidet that they just purchased yesterday. You know what I mean? Oh my God, you know what we need to do immediately? We need to go to Brooklyn. We need to do a bar crawl. Mm-hmm. And we need to just start talking to Brooklynites, whether it be the bartender or whatever. And let's flex about all the toilet paper we're saving with our bidets. It's it'll be like a spin-off Liz on the street. Oh, Liz on the street. Liz on the street. I mean, I do that anyway without even calling it Liz on the street. Like I do ask outrageous questions like that. But to your point of like Brooklyn and everyone really is flexing with like their sustainability. They're doing this or not. What are you doing? You're right. No one's talking about bidets. Yeah. And especially people that I mean, now we travel more than ever. Everything's mm-hmm. so accessible. I feel like when, at least when I'm thinking when I was younger, bidets were like a punchline. Like it was a joke that all of these people in the world, you know, shoot some water up their butt to, instead of smearing it with a piece of paper, right? Right. It's so funny because now I think so many people are able to travel and it is so accessible for so many people that almost everyone has probably encountered a bidet at some point whether it's an attachment or an actual separate, you know, bidet thing, I don't know what unit and whether or not they used it is another thing. But I think that now it's becoming so much more accessible that I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't taken on as quickly as, you know, with all of these positives and out, there's a couple negatives, which we can get into, but with all of these pros, it's very interesting that it hasn't caught on in the way that, it probably should. Yeah, I agree. I mean, well, first of all, people are always going to reject what they don't understand or what they don't know or the unfamiliar because people are scared. People are closed off my way or the highway. People are creatures of routine. I So I get that and I don't get that. I remember the first time I saw a bidet, I was like, what's that? And I was fascinated by it and I didn't try it, but I wasn't afraid of it you know, I was interested. So some people have more of like the interest, some people more closed off, but yeah, you're right. People are traveling more. They're, you know, very common overseas, as we already discussed, 80% of households or 80% of toilets in a variety of countries have them. So people see them more and more. You would think we'd be more comfortable with it. Um, And I just want to mention when I was doing research and I'm of course asking why haven't Americans adopted bidets My research, of course, led me down a rabbit hole. Many American soldiers first saw bidets during World War II in European brothels. So naturally, they assumed these were only for sex workers or like lower class individuals. They had a stigma associated with them. My first question, of course, is I'm like, why are these soldiers just pouring into brothels nonstop? Like, I mean, I'm like, I guess I get it. But it's like, first of all, what are you doing in brothels? Second of all, I think we're a little past World War II and the soldiers going into brothels. So it's like, I think we can adapt that. Bidets are not just for sex workers. Let's make that really clear. There also is that component of, and I, that I'm sure that that has carried on as well. That makes complete sense. But there also is that component of the way that Americans and I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm an American. Like, I, I get it. I love, you know, 
love America. We're, we love America here. This is, we are pro-America. Disclaimer. Yes. But we have a tendency to think that whatever we're doing is better than anything anyone else is ever doing or could ever think of doing. So when it comes to even medicine, like medicines that have been around for 3000 years, we're like, no, we found something better. We made it up 200 years ago and this is the replacement. You know, when it comes to like, I mean, obviously we're dietitians, so I think of herbs and, you know, in that way. But it's the same thing with this concept of bidets. It's like we, oh, we're modern. We're like, that's an old way of doing things. Like this toilet paper, this is the new age. It's the new cool thing to do. And we have a tendency to, like you said, look down on things that we either don't understand or that are in other countries that maybe we, I don't know, are do, maybe, I don't know if it's coming from thinking you're better than someone else or that, oh, like this is working. Obviously what we're doing is, is not necessarily working as well as what the bidet does, but I think it, it kind of ties into that concept a little bit. Yes, absolutely. And I think the Japanese, clearly very innovative, you know, smart, they know what they're doing. It seems like they've taken a way to almost mesh the westernized toilet with a bidet with like all those cleaning things and put into one. So we're less likely to reject it because it looks more familiar. Like it looks like a toilet Mm -hmm. and then it just has a bunch of bells and whistles. And I think it's really caught on um, from my research. Toto, which is a Japanese toilet company, started advertising a toilet bidet combo in the 1980s. And, you know, I wouldn't say here we are in 2023, I wouldn't say it's like taken off, but I think people are more comfortable rather than like you walk in, there's a toilet and a bidet. We have basically an all in one. So maybe people are less threatened. It's less intimidating because it's the same old toilet you sit on. And to your point of, you know, why do we think we have reinvented all the wheels and we're doing everything better? I touch on this in several episodes, one of them being my poop stance episode, we originally used to squat and that's the ideal poop position and your colon is unkinked and your legs should and hips should not be in that 90 degree angle. And then we go and invent the toilet and we're sitting at this 90 degree angle and the colon is kinked and it's worked against us. People are more constipated. They have incomplete evacuation. We always think we're bettering and like, oh, we have science and technology and all these things for advancements. And a lot of advancements are incredible and important and we need them. But some things you just need to leave as they are. And this to me kind of seems like one of those things in line with the toilet seat and that 90 degree angle. I think so too. It's such a good point. Just like tying it. I mean, it's the same concept that we just mentioned of thinking that we're making things better and improving when really they might have been better off the way that we the way that they were if we just left them as is. Now, the Japanese toilet, I do have to say, there's a couple issues I have with a bidet that the Japanese toilet does solve. Okay, so, let's hear it. Now, is my budget allowing for this toilet expansion? No, probably not. But if I could, now the bidet, it's separate, right? Obviously, I grew up here. I've you know, I didn't grow up using a bidet. There's a learning curve. There's got, there's a learning curve with everything. I was on vacation in Portugal. This was my first real experience with having a bidet there. I had some time, you know, I'm like, let's see what, see what the deal is. Right now. I don't know if, if there's a learning curve with the aim or, you know, it was a little like water was everywhere. It wasn't actually doing the job. We still had to go to a toilet paper situation afterward. Now, but you tried it. First off, I give you credit. I don't mean to cut you off. I give you credit for trying it. Thank you. That that actually, because of the slight trauma of the experience, I do appreciate that. Yeah. Now, I didn't also realize that apparently you're supposed to straddle it facing the wall. Again, did not know that. There should be, you know, some type of instruction placed. Manual. The wall. Exactly. Now, my issue with it being separate is that you pee, you poop, whatever you're doing, you get up, even if you're pooping, there's probably some pee coming out, right? Mm-hmm. So now you have to get yourself from the toilet to the bidet. And I, I think that this might be something that you kind of 
it's part of that learning curve, or if you grew up with it, you just kind of know how to do this. But I think instead of you, now you have to completely undress from the waist down, waddle yourself over to this bidet. And it just seems a little bit too much work. That's an excellent point. So do you think people take off their pants entirely, go to the bathroom and then go to the bidet? Because I, I, I thought of it, I didn't think of it like that, but I, I guess you kind of would have to take your pants all the way off. So the bidet doesn't have a seat, right? It's just a rim. So yeah. you kind of have, and everything I've read since then, it's difficult if you're kind of, your ankles are kind of tied. You know yeah. what I mean? So you kind of have to just completely undress. And I mean, this is not a situation where you're wearing a romper. I mean, there's- I was about to say, yeah. romper and bodysuit, like when you have to unclip, it's like such a production. Exactly. But I'm very interested. I, I think we need to, when we take it out on the streets, I think we need to find someone, you know, like an Australian or something that can give us a little more information on this. Oh, I have a Rolodex of Australians okay. living in New York City. Okay. Because we need to know, I need to know logistically, A, what the clothing situation is, and B, are we waddling? Are we jumping? Are we trying to move as little as possible so that nothing falls down? Yeah, the sanitation. Exactly. The sanitation aspect and the clothing aspect. I never even thought of that. I am going to ask any European I go on a date with in the future any Australian. I will say when I was in Australia, I don't remember there being bidets in the bathrooms. I stayed in three different hotels. I remember just normal toilets and toilet paper. Okay. Well, I'm switching it to European then. Okay. So I'll, I'll take one for the team and the next person on hinge from Europe is going to get a, a check mark swipe right for me. I think this could also be, if this is how you meet, you know, the future guy, I'm going to be like, so impressed at him. Like this is. Oh my, that would be amazing. Like, well, I wasn't actually interested. I actually swiped right on his profile because he's European and I was doing market research regarding bidets, how you use them and his experience with them. And then I, it turned out he had a decent enough personality. Yeah. I mean, this is this is like the litmus test. It's like, can you have this conversation with me? Because if you can, you're probably good to go. Oh my god! You know, I went on a date with a a very cute German guy. At this point, it was like two months ago. Like it must have been like end of January, and we only went on one date, and he was fine and normal. But I don't have his number anymore. I deleted it, but I wish I kept it because I feel like he would slay with the bidet description. Now that you do have a podcast, I think deleting a number is just not an option for you anymore. I, honestly, Nikki, I don't save anyone's numbers unless they're worth saving. So I don't save anyone's numbers. Um, so in terms of not my friends, I just mean like you go on all these dates, you got all these numbers. So everyone, I have them memorized as area codes. I'm like, oh, this person, this is 202. Oh, you're 551. Like, oh, this is 203. Like, yeah, that's how I do it. So he was a 347. And I know that, but I don't have the rest of it memorized. That's, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's not like we can't find another European in the States. I, I like, I, I'm really confident that we can, we can settle the score. We might have to put a little poll out. We might have to get a couple of opinions, maybe, you know, survey a couple different countries. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. And then we're going to do a follow-up episode okay. and, you know, I'm going to get on it hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah. Now I just feel like so many wasted opportunities, all the Europeans I've gone out with. Why didn't I ask them about their bidet habits? I Again, it's not it's not at the forefront of our mind. If, it, be. if, it, if we, we weren't so quick to, you know, reinvent the wheel, like you said, maybe it would be something we talk about on a date, you know? Yeah. Or, you know what I'm curious too to ask them is like, now that you live in America, do you think it's weird to use toilet paper? Like, how long did it take you to figure that out? It's... So the switch from bidet to toilet paper has got to be in so much more distressing than the switch yeah. from toilet paper to bidet. Yeah. Which, oh my God. I have so much work to do. Because, and that's an indicator of which one is probably the better option. Right. So. 
All but signs. Again, <clears throat> would you ever, would you buy a Japanese toilet? If I could afford one, absolutely. Okay. I think um, I am, but I, it would have to be, I would have to be so in a place financially where it was such a small purchase for me. Yeah. It's, let me see. You have information on it here. Smart toilet, seven hundred to fifteen thousand dollars. There was a range. Some are available at Lowe's or Home Depot. Some are not. But there was I would the the cheapest one I could find was seven hundred, and the most expensive was fifteen thousand. So I think it's one of those things where, like you said, there's so many functions that these can have. There's the flush, spray, dry. I think those are the typical, like the standard model. And then I think when you're going up in price, that's where you get into the, do I, what music, exact, the music. I don't need music and mood lighting. Like I don't need that. So I, I used to live in Miami and the, the bathrooms in the fountain blue hotel have a TV in front of the toilet. And it's one of those things where, again, it's just unnecessary. I think the music and the TV. Does anyone actually use it? Again, I think that comes back to are we in a health situation where we're straining so much in the bathroom that we have to be in there for an hour? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, first of all, I don't want to touch a toilet, a TV in a bathroom that a million other people have touched. But like, I'm not spending enough time on the toilet that I'm like, well, why don't I get comfortable and like pop on an episode of something? That's, like, I think, the indicator of when you know that someone's gut is working well or digestion is good is when the bathroom experience is a pop in and pop out. Oh my God. That is like music to my ears. And it's not a a whole, like the the going through the whole newspaper. Maybe you read, maybe you read a paragraph, maybe you read a, you know, a piece of an article, but we're not going through the whole sports section in on the toilet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, why do you have to read? Maybe take it as a moment to do some deep breathing and meditation. Again, it's that component of, I think when it comes back to what we're accustomed to in our society is distraction. And so we always want to distract from how we're feeling, whether it's physically or mentally. And again, like you were saying, the most, it's that squatting position is so helpful. The breathing, getting into just deep breaths, because I think a lot of people walk around with so much pent up anxiety and stress that we aren't really even breathing to our fullest extent. And because distraction is such a key piece of our world that it trans, it carries over into the bathroom. hundred percent. It's such a good point. We are really always looking to distract from actually experiencing sitting with the feeling like, fully acknowledging the discomfort in, in any regard, not just like the bathroom, but like just being an American. And feeling how it feels. There's a, it's at this, I think it's also because we are, we have the ability to distract so much. I mean, if you even think just 20 years ago, there was so much less, it was really kind of hard to distract yourself from things sometimes. And if you go, obviously the further back you go, the even hard, harder it would get. But you know, there was maybe TV, maybe you could play, you know, uh, Snake on your Nokia, like, they, but you couldn't go on TikTok and watch videos for hours and hours. And now it's so easy to, for us to, if we're feeling anything, it doesn't matter what we're feeling, we can just escape it instead of working through and sitting through our feelings. And the more, the longer we do that, the less comfortable we are with actually sitting with those feelings. And then it's just, it kind of just spirals and spirals. And then all of a sudden it's like 10 years later and you're like, I don't even know what my body's feeling in this moment anymore. Yeah. And so many good points there. And to piggyback off of that, I'm concerned with this newer like TikTok generation, are they even going to be able to identify how they're feeling? Like, nailing down an emotion and pinpointing it and articulating that because it's like they are they even experiencing it it's and it's so hard to say because now obviously 
there's pros and cons to everything. Like there's, I think we can also raise awareness about this via social media, which has been helpful. If, if you're following the right people, if you're, mm-hmm. you know, curating your account to be improving yourself in that, in, you know, any way, but there is a sense that it's a learned skill. It's a learned, like being social is a learned skill, having conversational skills, negotiating, all of these life skills are learned from the time we're young. And so if we're constantly escaping our emotions, whether it's with an iPad, and I get it. I mean, I have friends that have kids and it's it's so much easier to just give them an iPad than actually try to work through what what's making you upset, what's causing the problem. But as much as we can, as, you know, gearing away from just distraction, 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 and just moving, even if it's slowly and one step at a time toward whether it's with your kids or with yourself, like trying to tap into what is my body feeling. And I like also, like even when I'm talking to clients, sometimes by the time we actually feel something, it's too, not too late, but it's so overwhelming that it's just too much to sit with. So if we can just check in and honestly, in the bathroom is probably a good time to do this is just kind of sort through like, how are my shoulders feeling? How is my, how is my stomach feeling? Like, am I holding tension anywhere? Especially when we're stressed, we'll like hold tension either in your rectum. Like when people, people always use that as a joke, like I'm clenching. So, Mm -hmm. and it, just checking in with how your body's feeling to keep practicing that skill. Cause like you said, I think we've, we've maybe come to a place where we've lost that a little bit over time. Such an important point. We have definitely lost it. Technology has not helped and that can be applied to so many things, but obviously here we're focusing more on nutrition and obviously specifically today, like bowel movements Am I, you know, is this a smooth smooth bowel movement? Am I constipated? Mm -hmm. And just how it feels to go on the toilet. And yeah, it's like we have learned, humans have mastered the skill of avoidance, of denial, and of distraction. Yeah. And it's easier now than ever. And so I think that's why, I think it's doable now. Like anything's, almost anything is doable almost any point of the time. It's just about having the right skills and really making that effort to do it when it's hard, because the more distractive tools we have, the harder it gets. It's just about kind of using the tools that we have to tap into that. But I mean, our world, and I mean, again, we're in New York City. I mean, this is like the land of distraction. Constant overstimulation. Right. So it's about just, and it's like just one step at a time, like taking it one day at a time. Like, what can I do today to figure out how my body's, even if it's, you know, sometimes it's just putting on like slower music and Mm -hmm. laying down for five minutes and just feeling like, how am I feeling? Because if you are clenching, like some people, we all are familiar with clenching in your shoulders, like all my shoulders are at my ears when I'm stressed, but so many people are clenching in their gut, like in their intestines, in their rectum, like in just like there's so much clenching going on in the lower half of the body that really does have an impact on digestion and bowel movements. And so, you know, it's again, one of those things where if we can just take five minutes to check in, it could be exactly what we need to remedy the situation. Absolutely. And a really important point, which I hit on a few weeks ago with Nicole Kuko, another guest I had, is that You really need to learn your body signals and do what feels best. So like being in tune with your body, knowing what feels good, knowing your baselines, that's super important. I almost feel like I'll challenge the listeners. Use your time on the toilet as a time to check in. I think that's a good, it's me time. I'm alone. Don't bring your phone with you. Don't bring reading materials and just check in. Like you mentioned, the tense high shoulders, are you clenching your gut? Are you clenching your tushy? How are you feeling? What's going on? And the phone thing is key because it's such a habit. And you will notice that when you go to the bathroom without your phone, it's like you feel a little lost the first time you do it. What do I do? What do I do? Something's missing. Like the, the, 
the sense of feeling incomplete because your phone isn't in there kind of says a lot in itself, but there's obviously no judgment. And we, this happens to all of us. It's just about taking that time to just put the phone outside the room and then go in and it does, it will get a hundred percent easier as you keep going on. And then you can start translating it into other areas of your life. Like if you're going out to dinner, maybe I'm leaving my phone in my bag. Maybe I'm, you know, if I'm with friends, maybe I'm putting my phone by the front door and I'm not even going to have it near me when I'm hanging out with them. Like it, it will translate into other areas. But like you said, I think that's a good first step. Yes. And that's the thing too, is like, it's all about starting small. So pick one time in your day, I'm saying do it when you're on the toilet. Don't bring your phone. Don't bring your new material and check in to see how you're feeling. How many times a day are on the toilet? That varies for everyone, but this isn't something you're doing all day long. And it's, I think it's feasible because you have to use the bathroom and that's not something you're going to be avoiding all day. So this is set times, even though it's not a specific, we don't have like a specific time in mind, but set times. If you know, okay, every time I go to the bathroom today and I'm on the toilet, I'm going to check in with myself. How am I feeling? What am I experiencing? Why do I think I'm experiencing that? Then it's just going to start to flow more naturally, but it's like little by little, stay consistent and pick, you know, it doesn't have to be in the toilet. I think that's just a good time. You're alone, undistracted, you know, pick something that works for you. If that's, if that's not ideal, but it's all about starting small and picking something that's feasible and that makes sense for your schedule. Exactly. And there's that concept of, I can't for the life of me, remember the name of it, but there's that um, behavior change concept of pairing something that you have to do with habit stacking. Yes. Habit stacking. So it's, you know, we obviously are all going to the bathroom. We have to do that multiple times a day. So let's, and, you know, checking in with your body isn't exactly an exciting thing to think about doing, especially if we've never done it before. So mm-hmm. it, it is a lot more feasible and more of an attainable goal if we're pairing it with something that we are already doing. Right. So for those of you who aren't familiar with habit stacking, basically what we're saying is when I go to the bathroom, I will. And then you fill in the blank. And in this case, we're saying I will check in with myself. Exactly. Have a mindful moment. I love that. I love that this conversation just took that turn. That was really a little bit of but good. I loved it. Okay. I want to get back to the shit talk. You have an impressive toilet paper ranking. Take it away, Nikki. Let, well, let's talk about this. I'm going to give you my two cents. You, you kick it off. Liz, I have to say, I think our toilet paper rankings are completely flipped upside down. I think my best to worst is your worst to best. Seriously. I I wonder, well, we'll, we'll break into it. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to start at the bottom and well, okay. Let me start off by saying there's the whole soft versus strong debate, right? So mm-hmm. no matter what brand you have, usually they have a soft or strong. A lot of times they'll say soft and strong, but you can't, you got to pick one. You can't, you can't right. do the half and half. It's pick a lane. Exactly. You got to pick a lane. Otherwise you get the worst of both. So this really does depend, not all the time, some people have a preference for other reasons, but depending on your bowel function, you may you might find that using a softer ply is just messy. It's If you're having a difficult bowel movements, if they're messy or if it breaks, then if you're using the softer one, it's, uh, it's flaking off, it's just messy, it's a little too weak for what you need. So that's when you're going for the strong ones. Now, when it comes to the like a clean break, a nice, like a full evacuation, that's where I feel like the softer ply can work because it's like a little, it's like a pillow. It's just so, it's nice and comfy. It's so, like the commercial. Exactly. So I'm going to start at my number five. So I have my, my rankings of one to five. Five would be, in my opinion, the worst. Now, this is ironic because Liz, it's your favorite. This is Liz's favorite. <laughs> so Scott toilet paper. Now I have a long history with Scott. I grew up in a house that had a septic tank. We were not allowed to use anything but a one ply. I didn't, I thought that I had to bunch my toilet paper up into a massive basketball sized ball every time that I went to the bathroom. I thought that was normal. And then the first time I ever went to the bathroom at a friend's house, I was like, I'm being deprived. This is criminal. Why are my parents doing this to me? 
<laughs> and I came back and I said, you know, there's other toilet. Like I genuinely thought they weren't aware that there was other toilet paper out there for them. And so I came back with this revelation. Like I had just gone on this eat, pray, love trip. And I'm coming back with this, you know, unbelievably remarkable tip that insight. they have never heard of. Big insight. Big insight. And um, they said, absolutely not. We will never do that. You can use that when you leave our house at 18. So I left the house and I never looked back and I have not used Scott since, except for when I go home. So now Scott is a one-ply toilet paper. That's why it's septic safe. It's thinner. Um, I would say it's a smooth, to me, it's a little sandpapery, I do have to say. Okay. But it's smooth in that it's not – a lot of toilet papers have that texture where it's like little divots and stuff. Right. This one is really just kind of standard, nothing crazy. Just There's very no designs. Yeah. Exactly. I love that that's your number five. That's my bread and butter. I like a Scott toilet paper. I don't want designs. I don't want a pillow, cushy. I think that gets in the way. I also don't like when it feels thick in my hand. Mm. To me, I'm like, what am I, like, what's going on? And so as you're explaining this, it does make sense that you prefer Scott. Now, do you, when you buy Scott, do you, do you pick the, I think they do sell ones that are like soft or they try to get into a little bit of fancier territory. Are you going for the standard, just the basic brand? I get the classic one ply. Okay. Okay. And I have never looked back. Wow. I mean, th- we might have to agree to disagree here. I don't think I'm ever yeah. going to join your camp on that, but there's something for I, everyone. I think I'm alone in that camp and most people's homes that I go to don't have Scott. So, you know, I'm it, it, it's not news to me that I'm the only one. But I will say that's what I like in my past life. That's what I bought. And my significant other never complained about it. So I think he was fine with it as well. Um, So I know I'm not alone, but I know I'm probably the minority. Right. Okay. What's your number four? So my number four, and I I have a big issue with them. I have a bone to pick with them because I think that their branding is misleading. So Angel Soft is my number four. Now, when you look at their logo, it's like, it's an angel. The soft is in the name. Like it, and even through the package, something about the design of the toilet paper, when you're looking at it, it looks like it would be super soft and cushy. Mm-hmm. Angelic, fit for an angel. Exactly. Now just I just out of heaven onto your toilet. I don't know if these people are just like Satan worshipers because <laughs> the angels that they are making this toilet paper for are struggling. Okay. Because yeah. it's so my issue with them is A, it's not really soft. B, don't tell me it's soft if it's not. And C, it's just yeah, there is no C. It's just that's that is what it is. It's just it's the misleading branding and it's really just nothing to write home about. I don't think I've ever in my life bought Angel Soft. You know what I find annoying about it is they have the audacity to use not only the word angel, but the word soft, mm-hmm. and then it's not even soft. Like, you know, if you're gonna be that extreme, like first of all, pick one or the other, angel or soft. And then if you're gonna do both, you better have silk toilet paper. Exactly. And I just am looking it up now because I was almost positive. The logo is a baby with angel wings. And so I think they're trying to play into that whole baby's bottom is super soft. Mm-hmm. When we think of babies, we think of their skin, which is so soft and smooth. Yeah. Their toilet paper is not that. So I just have to say, if you are, if you're going to buy angel soft, either go for the the actual soft ones or just get Scott and save a buck. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So number three. Now, I I had a hard time with number two and three. I I, I think that they might be kind of tied, but um, you know, I think I might maybe I'm influenced by the branding again here. But I think number three would be Cottonelle. Now, the reason for that is because number two is Charmin. Let me just say that first. So Cottonelle and Charmin were kind of hand tied for me. 
What I don't like about Cottonelle that I think other people do like is it's very textured. So there's these little, and they advertise that. It's like a, a you know, a positive point of their marketing. It's ridged, right? right? Isn't it like little ridges? Yeah. It's like a, like a Lay's like wavy potato chip. Yeah. Yeah. For me, because I'm of the softer variety, I think that the waves and the texture take away from the softness. I get why they do it. It kind of has the appearance that it can, it's more of a catch all. It's stronger in that way. But for me, if I'm going for something soft, the texture kind of takes away from that. Okay. I think that's fair. I mean, I personally don't like it. I don't need ridges on my butthole. I don't see the functionality. It's, you know, maybe if there's like, to me, I'm like nooks and crannies and it's got to get in and out. It's like, I, I don't have nooks and crannies that are going to require <laughs> the ridging of Cottonelle to get clean. Um, but, you know, not to get graphic, it could be different when people have, you know, serious hemorrhoids or a history of GI issues where there are different, um, how do I word this, where, you know, perhaps they have a different looking I don't want to say different looking butthole than I have, but like a different landscape that you have to. Right. A different landscape. And that's totally fair and valid. And there's no shame in that. And so many people, especially with hemorrhoids, especially so many people have hemorrhoids, but perhaps that's more their jam. Right. Which again, just tying back in, I think, and they did touch on this in the South Park episode that hemorrhoids is a one of those situations where a bidet would be phenomenal because it is super painful and to have something that is just like a a spritz of water versus something that will irritate it more. Right. You're rubbing it. Exactly. And it can really, and then every time it's being irritated, it kind of just increases the inflammation. And so I, I would say if you're someone who's prone to hemorrhoids, I would that's a situation where I would definitely look into those bidet attachments. The more, mm-hmm. you know, the attachments are a little bit more affordable, but um, because I think that can make a huge difference in whether it's how long the hemorrhoids are lasting or just the pain component, which is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's an excellent point. Definitely. If you're someone who struggles with hemorrhoids or some sort of GI issue that makes going to the bathroom more painful, perhaps anal fissures, that's another really common one you may want to look into a bidet attachment. And also just when you have hemorrhoids or something like anal fissures, you're more susceptible to, I don't want to say bacteria or disease, but more, you know, if if there's an opening, if there's a cut in the skin, if there's a break, you are more prone then if you're wiping everything around to it getting in, to something becoming infected. So the bidet attachment could really be an excellent alternative. Yeah, completely. All right. Are we ready for number one? Okay, here we go. So a couple years ago, I found Quilted Northern and- Oh, we have a story. I love you have a story. A couple years ago. I, I just have never gone, I never looked back. I, you know, it, it is a couple extra bucks here, but it, and I never realized until doing research for this podcast that it is a three ply, which mm-hmm. I think is why it's so damn soft. Now, I like you were saying, some people don't feel the need to wipe with a pillow every time they go to the bathroom. I just think, you know, we're doing this one to three times a day. Why not have it be an enjoyable experience? I love a quilt in Northern. I'm so sorry to those who are emphasizing sustainability. I promise I'm going to look into the bidet attachment after we sign off. I may even purchase one later today. But in the meantime, Quilted Northern is my jam. It's super soft. I've never been, they've never let me down. Um, buy it in bulk, saves you a little bit of money. And I, yeah, I, I've, I'm very firm in this stance, I think. The fact that they've never let you down, like how many things or people can you say that about in your life? That's a huge statement. I, yeah, I'm, I'm really actually now realizing that this might be a deeper connection than I than I had since I had previously thought. You need to write into them. <laughs> I think I do. And we'll send them, we'll be like, come, you know, send them the link and be like, feel free to listen. But like they have never let you down. 
if they need now, as I'm thinking about this, I'm, I'm thinking that there's a lot of marketing ideas I'm getting about, you know, being a dietitian and, uh, you know, joining forces with a toilet paper company in terms of marketing. So I, I, I genuinely might write it into them and see if there's any type of collaboration we can start. I think there's a phenomenal synergy I'm sensing here, just given your passion for their product and your, <laughs> your knowledge base in nutrition, bowel movements, GI issues. I love that. I'm, I love that we just came to that. Yeah. Well, and I, if, if something does happen, I think I'll give you a commission on the, uh, on the oh. collaboration there. Thank God. I feel like Luann. I don't know if you watch. Oh, of course. The Housewives of New York when like, she kind of gets a little annoyed that Bethany, like she helped Bethany create the name Skinny Girl. And she's like, you could have like, you know, you could have given me a gift or so. You could have given me credit. And Bethany was like, there's no way in hell I am giving this woman any credit. Yeah, for exactly. <laughs> I, I I promise I'm more, uh, I'm more generous than Bethany. For I don't, I don't need commission, but I do want to know about it. And that would be thrilling. I would love that. Well, I mean, if it does work out, maybe I'll have to get some, get my cable back on. Because I have cut the cord. So, you know, if I, if I was on a TV commercial, I'd probably have to get cable again. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Well, I appreciate the rankings. So you're, for all those of you who need to recap, Nikki is a quilted Northern girl. I am a Scott girl. I, I, I'm curious to see where the listeners fall. We need, we should probably do an Instagram poll to just poll. take the five and see. I'm just very, very curious if I don't have this conversation with everyone. So it's, it'll be interesting to see where people lie on this. I'll do a poll when this episode drops that week mm-hmm. to see and with the two and we'll see what people prefer. I like that. Amazing. And I love in our notes, we have mentioned here, you Nikki put in that we all have our favorite toilet in the house. Yeah. If we're lucky enough to have more than one toilet in the house. Um, I think that's such an excellent point. Like humans are such creatures of habit. I'm trying to think it's hard because in New York, most people have one bathroom. Right. So you, you have one option, but yeah, definitely growing up. Like I would use the same toilet. Exactly. It's like, and I know that, there was a meme a couple years ago about how everyone has this, our favorite burner on the stove. Right. And it was like a revelation for people. Oh my God. I didn't, I thought I was the only one. I'm not unique. Everyone has a favorite burner on the stove. It's the same thing with toilets. Now, obviously if we're lucky enough to have more than one bathroom in the house or wherever we are living, I think that there is, we just have that one that we go to, even if it's not in our bedroom or whatever, like there's just, whether it's the environment of the bathroom itself, the toilet, sometimes if it's now, it, it'd be interesting to see if it was closer to the ground or higher up. And, you know, cause I think that definitely plays a role. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's very interesting because then there's sometimes a fight. It's, I would say people in that household typically would have the same preference, which okay. is a problem. That's funny you say that. So in my past life, I had a house out of the city. It had four bathrooms. I used two of those four equally. My husband at the time had one pooping toilet and he would not poop anywhere else. And it was on the second floor overlooking the beach. It was a beach house, like right on the beach. And he liked the view. Okay. I don't blame him. It was a nice view, water, sand, but I never pooped there because that was his pooping toilet. Oh, so would he have a problem if someone else pooped in his pooping toilet or is it more that he just wants it to be available? No, he wouldn't have a problem, but I was like, I don't want to poop in that toilet. He always poops in that toilet. It's like I have my own thing, knowing that this, some, this was someone else's, it's like, some like another dog's fire hydrant. Right. Well, I'm just laughing because you said, I'm sure it can become an issue where people are fighting for the toilet and it's like. I immediately was like, well, I'm not using that toilet. Like, it's all yours. And he's like, oh, it just has such a good view back here. I'm like, knock yourself out. Like, I didn't care. Go ahead. But it's funny. People do. They, like, pick a toilet. They become creatures of habit. They're comfortable there for whatever reason. Like, his, he liked the view. For some people, I'm sure it's privacy. For others, like you mentioned, I'm sure it's the actual toilet itself. But 
I encourage listeners to tune in. Do you poop in the same place every time? If so, why? Yeah. And I mean, now that you say the view thing, it really does kind of also tie back into that relaxation component. What we were Mm -hmm. talking about earlier with the breathing and checking in with yourself, having a view like that helps you do that subconsciously without you even attempting or realizing that you're doing it. And so I, I think it's, it, even if it's a, one of those situations where, you know, some people have like essential oil diffusers or, you know, like those noise machines, having that, something like that, it sounds like in the bathroom could also be useful in that regard. Something to set the mood. Right. Like what helps you relax? What makes you feel comfortable? There's nothing worse than having like a rushed poop or having to poop where you're not comfortable. Exactly. And some people, if they are uncomfortable, it they will nothing will happen. And you go. Yeah. A big problem. Because you're like we mentioned before, you're clenched and you're tight, so it won't come out. Mm-hmm. That's like airport pooping. I've gotten a lot better at airport pooping, but oh my god, like so uncomfortable. It's, I I have to say, I am one of those people that being out of the house is difficult. Yeah. I mean, I think most people, I have gotten a lot better at it over the years, but certainly it's not ideal. And that even if you, and it could be something where, I mean, now thinking again, how technology can actually be helpful in this way. If you're someone that is, you're on vacation, you're in a bunch of different bathrooms that you're not familiar with you know, maybe you're having a little bit of difficulty, even something like having, um, there are so many of these, I'm thinking of these like white noise apps that have like Mm -hmm. each wave sounds or different, different audio, you know, different like types of audio that can kind of set the mood. You can just pop, I mean, we all probably have our headphones on in the airport anyway. So now we just pop them on and we're kind of tuning out the noise, forgetting that other people are around, whether we're in an isolated area or in a bathroom, we're kind of tuning out the outside and then getting rid of that, you know, that feeling of self-consciousness and then really just kind of zenning out in that moment. Yes. I think that's excellent advice for everyone listening. If you do struggle to go to the bathroom when you travel or staying at a friend's house or anything like that, pop your headphones in, get a comfortable, you know, nature sounds or white noise or something to listen to. That's also, I think, half the battle is like, you don't want people to hear. Mm-hmm. But like, if you have headphones in and you're listening to something relaxing and you can't hear, it's like, well, they can't hear it because you can't hear it. So nothing happened. And you're never going to see these people again. I mean, they're going on their way. Yeah. No one is listening to you. They probably also have headphones in. It's, it's one of the, we, and again, something that I see all the time with a lot of, it's just something that's cultural. I think we as a society tend to take on discomfort to make other people feel more comfortable. And it's that it's kind of tied into that people pleasing trait as well. But Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, especially, you know, just a food example of being at a friend's house for a dinner party, they're offering you dessert, you're not really in the mood, you feel like you might feel crappy afterward, but you don't want them to feel bad that you're saying no. So then you eat it and eat something anyway that you know you don't really want to be eating. And then you kind of feel crappy afterward. But hey, at least they're happy. Right. Right. And so it's that same concept of I think sometimes we just have to, especially when it comes to our health and how we feel, we have to start prioritizing ourselves and putting ourselves first. And so, I mean, just coming back around, like if that means that you need to tune everyone else out and do your thing, then that's what you need to do. Yes. I love that advice. And I love that comparison because so many people struggle with that. And I'm sure, like, as you mentioned, as an RD, you get that all the time. People, you know, taking on discomfort to make others comfortable. Like, oh, sure, I'll have that because they're worried about offending them. There's also a lot of food pushing. Like, that's a big one. Like, no, you have to take it. No, you have to take it. Like, big big on family gatherings that, you know, a lot of people struggle with. And it's like, I didn't want to offend them. They brought their yada yada. What I would say is, like, fine, then take it and, like, don't eat it. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to take it on your plate. And I always, my response is, and I tell clients this too, is to say, oh, I'm actually, like, voice it. 
say, oh, I'm actually full right now. Dinner was delicious, but I really want to try this recipe that you made. Can you put it in a Tupperware or a baggie so I can take it home? And then that way you can try it the next day whenever or whenever you're in the mood for it. Um, they feel like you actually wanted to taste whatever they made. You don't feel crappy. And it. what I've seen with clients that I love is that it, it sometimes has an effect on the people around them without them even realizing. So they kind of start setting this example that then other people start to do. And then other people around them are like, hey, I actually am full. Why am I having this when I don't want to be having it? And then it people can kind of see that behavior and it can become a little bit norm, more normalized in whatever group that you're in in that moment. Right. And then more and more people start doing it. They're more comfortable with it. And it makes so much sense. That's such a good tip to say that. I'd love to try it. I'm actually full. Why don't I take some to go? It looks great. Right. Exactly. <sighs> Nikki, you're just full of incredible tidbits. I mean, when it comes to, you know, food and digestion, this is our, this is our jam, you know, this, this is, is our jam. There's a reason we, we chose this field. Yes. Well, this has been so fun. I can't wait to do a follow-up. I'm going to hit the apps, get some Europeans on my docket, and I'm going to ask the hard-hitting questions. I am so excited to hear what they have to say because I really, really need to hear, I need to hear A, the logistics of the bidet, and I also need to hear what the transition is like going from bidet to toilet paper. I may have to record it. I, I think you I think you definitely will have to record it. I think I'll bring it up on the date and then I'll say, do you mind if I record you? Like, this is on the record. Right. You're like an <laughs> investigative journalist. Oh my God, they're going to get up and leave in the middle of the day. I'm going to be slapped with the bill. They're just going <laughs> to sprint out. Just say, listen, you can leave, but you got to answer this question first. I need the audience. Oh my God. I look forward to it. And we're doing a follow-up. I'm so pumped. Okay, now we're just going to sum up the options. The first obvious is toilet paper on a standard Western toilet, which Nikki so kindly ranked. So you're going to go with your rougher toilet paper like Scott, the one ply that I like, or the have never disappointed Nikki. What was it? Quilted Quilt Northern. Northern. Yeah, Quilted Northern. Quilted Northern. <laughs> Option number two. Talk us through the attachments. So with the bidet, you can either get an attachment for your toilet that you hook up to the water supply, or you can get an actual, it's like a, a whole other seat. So you have the base of your toilet and then you add on this new toilet seat that has the bidet included in it. So obviously the seat is a little bit bigger. It's a little bit more of an investment based on our research you know, it, it seems like the Toto is a good option. It's around like four to $500, depending on which one you're getting. Now, if you want just the attachment, which is this, it's a little like spout. And then on the side, it has a dial that you use to make, you know, to start the water or turn it off. The Tushy seems like the best option. Now they have a range. They have a classic at around a hundred dollars. So the classic is just on or off simple, you know, start it or stop it. The Tushy also has a more, it's called the spa attachment. So it's a, just a $30 more. You get to choose if you want hot or cold water, but it's a dial. So I think it's, you can kind of dial it to room temp or a little bit warmer depending on your preference. And then we have, of course, the Japanese toilet, which I mean, that an investment like that, you need to probably do your own research and figure out <laughs> exactly what you are willing to spend or get. But again, usually classic flush spray dry. And then you start to get into music, adjustable water temp, sterilization. They have some with a deodorizer. So, you know, it's the bells and whistles. Exactly. So. Some people might say, well, I'm already paying 10 grand. I might as well pay 12 grand to get it all. And that, I totally hear that. And then some people might be like, this is a big purchase. I don't need music and lights. I'm going to pay just the minimal 10 grand. And I also get that. So definitely have to do your research, figure out which is right for you. And Nikki and I, Nikki's coming back for a follow-up episode once I talk to some Europeans about the day use coming to America. 
do you use TP with your bidet here? What are you doing without a bidet? Has it been a hard transition? The works. We're also going to try to try out a tushy attachment yeah, and report back. And I think we need to figure out what are the pros and cons. Now, our research says that that's the best option. We need to mm-hmm. kind of test it out and see for ourselves, but we will test it out so that you don't have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So not to say you're welcome, but you're welcome, people. We will We will report back. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for your expertise and all of your helpful, I don't want to say helpful hints, but like your helpful tips for a lot of these scenarios. Of course. I'm always, uh, always willing to give a helpful tip whenever it applies, even when it doesn't apply. Yes. Well, we'll see you soon.